This is Tommy Bowman, co-founding pastor of Mission Church in the suburbs of Chicago. And together we are answering this decade-long question of mine. What happens when attractional, communal, and missional church come together for movement? This is Redefining Church. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Redefining Church podcast. My name is Tommy Bowman, and I am your host. Hopefully you had a chance to check out episode one. Um, If not, go check that out. This one builds upon that. This uh, podcast is asking and revealing the answers that we are finding at Mission Church to the question, uh, what happens when attractional, communal, and missional church come together for movement? Like, What happens if the best parts of how we do church came together for the end result of experiencing a movement of Jesus, the movement of Jesus that that I believe he started and launched when he launched his church, rather than our means becoming the end, rather than our ministries, our programs, our strategies um, becoming the end game for the user, the person who attends and belongs to our churches. Last episode, just as a review, I challenge you guys with three questions. Um, Would Jesus be surprised with where his church ended up? I asked, what is your end? What is your end really as a church? Like, look hard, look look honestly. What is the end game? And then, what if the story your church is writing had a greater end, right? Like, what if this shelter in place, can't gather as a church, um, was a tremendous opportunity to redefine your church and brought it back to closer, at least, to what Jesus started? So why do we slowly creep into the means becoming the end, okay? Like I said, that's what I talked about last episode, but I didn't talk about how we get there. In fact, I talk about this on our growth track at Mission Church. I'll talk to you more about our growth track. I'll talk to you about where ours is aimed and where I see too many growth tracks aimed at and why I think they're just going to phase out soon like a lot of things that we do. But in the final course of our growth track, um, I totally own this in front of all the people who are about to graduate our growth track. I refer to this as every pastor's best kept secret. If we all leaders of the church were in a room together right now, we would have this one thing in common, but we wouldn't talk about it. But we would all know that we all know about it kind of a thing. (laughs) Um, But why do pastors creep into the means becoming the end? It's an answer that has become, during this season of shelter in place, I think even more confirmed. Uh, It's a spotlight, at least for me, has been shown on it in my own life, but here's why. We as pastors want to be needed. We as pastors want to be needed. Now, notice I didn't say we need to be needed, because a leader living in and through their true identity needs only one thing in one person, and that is Jesus. But we want to be needed, even to the point that in seasons of unhealth uh, or fatigue, it actually feels like we need to be needed. And maybe we even start to believe that we need to be needed, and it comes out in how we lead. But how do I know this? Um, I know this because I'm one of you, and I know this because it's true of me. I want to be needed as much as anyone. In fact, when the shelter-in-place thing came down, one of the things that kind of like bubbled up in me 
was this like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about all of the ways I lead and environments I lead in and people I lead where it fulfills that appetite that I have to want to be needed. And now that that's gone, like, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> and so I know it's true because I live it and I, I experience it and I'm experiencing it now. And I, and I always will just want to be needed. Now, I don't think it's bad to want to be needed, but I do think it's dangerous when our church models entice our desire to be needed on a perpetual basis. I do think it's dangerous when we do church in such a way that, like I said, that appetite to want to be needed, it just grows and grows and grows. And the ways your appetite was once satisfied, you know, doesn't work anymore. And so I got to come up with a new thing, a new means, because the end now for me and us is, well, I got to just make sure that my desire to be needed is continually met. Now, I also know we don't come out and say this. That's why I call this every pastor's best kept secret. We don't come out and say to our staff and to one another as teams, and um, we definitely don't say this to the people who attend our churches. We don't come out and say, look, our church is set up in such a way that in order for you to experience worship, to be taught the Word of God, to be generous, to experience community, in order to do all those things, you need to be here every seventh day till the end of time maybe even twice a week till the end of time. We don't come out and say that, but that's kind of how our church models are set up. So for us at Mission, we look at this through the lens of dependency. We just use that word dependency a lot. It's part of our culture. I remember being on a plane with John, who if you didn't catch it in episode one, it's who I, best friend, lifelong friend, started Mission Church together. But we were on a plane to San Antonio to visit a church back in 14 or 15, 2014, 2015. And um, I was thinking about what I'm talking about right now, and I drew it uh, in my journal. And I referred to it back then as the dependency paradox. But as I've led through this idea more, I've discovered it's actually the dependency inverse variation, which I just nerded out on you pretty hardcore there. Um, And inverse variation is because something goes down, something else goes up. And when something goes up, something else goes down. That's what happens. So let, let me just explain this dependency inverse variation that I think your church needs to think about and you as the leader need to lead this way. And I know you want to, um, but you need to put some intentionality to that desire for you to actually lead this way. So picture the in, uh, dependency inverse variation like this. It's a, it's a chart, it's a graph shaped like an L with the vertical Y and the horizontal X axis. Okay, so you have an L, and uh, along the vertical uh, piece of the L, the Y axis at the top, picture the word church, and at the bottom, picture the words Holy Spirit. And from left to right is time. That's someone's experience with your church, okay? As they move along the different steps that you have for them as they experience your church. What we want to see at Mission Church and what we tell our people on our growth track is that as you experience time, you move from left to right with Mission Church. We want to see your dependency on us as your local church. We want to see that go down while your dependency on the Holy Spirit goes up. 
We want to know that as you live with, relate to, and depend on the Holy Spirit in greater ways, your dependency on us goes down. And as your dependency on us goes down, it frees up more dependency for you to live fully in and through the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't want to see, um, and the goal isn't, I should say, the goal isn't to see, but it can happen, but the goal isn't to see your desire for us as your local church to go down, just your dependency. So like, as as you begin to depend on the Holy Spirit in greater ways, as you follow Jesus, we want you to desire our weekend experience, the teaching, the worship. Like, we want you to desire those things. We just want to know that you aren't as dependent on them as you were when you walked in. And if you never came back to church again, you would be okay. And I just don't think enough of us lead our churches this way. And that goes for me and us at Mission Church. We need to continue, continually get better at leading our people to experience this dependency inverse variation. And we need to lead in such a way that promotes dependency on the Holy Spirit increasing while dependency on us, their local church offering, decreases. And for us, it's really, and I might get into this more in upcoming episodes, but it's really a ministering versus equipping thing. We see ourselves as ministers and perpetual ministers to where you got to keep coming back and coming back and coming back so that we can minister to you until our ministering wears off. Then you come back and get more versus us equipping to be ministers. And when we see ourselves truly as equippers versus ministers, then we lead in such a way that promotes, hey, I want to equip you in such a way, church attender, to where you are now dependent on the Holy Spirit so that you can go and equip others. You can go and be the minister. We're going to be the equipper. Guys, just think about it through the lens of how you parent, right? If you're like me, um, I love my kids. I'm loving this time. I got 11, 9, and 7 right now are the ages. Love this season. And um, I can't wait till the day when we're empty nesters, my wife and I. I'm really looking forward to that season of life. I think it's going to be really rich, beautiful, and wonderful. As much for me as all that my kids are going to experience when they hit somewhere between 18 and 22. The goal as, as we parent, for us at least in our household, is not to parent in such a way that there's no equipping and they will perpetually need us, and they will never leave the nest. The goal is for us to... um, Now, they're not kicked out when they're three, and they're not kicked out when they're 11. My 11-year-old still lives here. He's got more equipping. This doesn't happen instantly. But over time, my goal as a parent is to equip and prepare them to be adults without our help. Now, I desire that when they grow up, they want to come back. They want to hang out. They want to spend time. They even ask for you know, wisdom that maybe we can share. But I don't want them to perpetually need me till the end of time. In fact, I want to do such a great job equipping that they can equip their kids. And so this parent-child illustration that most of us, we all had parents, whether they were good or bad, we all had them. And most of us are parents. It's right there. You don't have to look any further than that picture. Yet, we lead our churches in such a way 
that is the antithesis to what I just said. We lead them in such a way that we keep them as th- we keep our people. And I, like I said, I don't think we mean to do this, but it feeds our desire to be needed. We keep them as three-year-olds. We keep them as 11-year-olds. We keep them as 16-year-olds, whatever the age. We need to be churches that equip our people to be fully dependent on the Spirit so that they can leave the nest, so that they can minister to and equip more people to do the same. That is what movement looks like. So we talked about why we lead in such a way. So we talked about why our churches tend to have means that become the end, right? We talked about, you know, this this desire to want to be needed and how that's not bad, right? And how we don't set out to do this, but we drift this way. Well, why do we do that then? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. And I actually share this with our growth track participants as well. Because if we lead our churches in such a way that equips people so well to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and not us as their pastor and not us as their local church, well, their butt might not be in the seat on Sunday and their money might not be in the bag on Sunday. And if that happens at a growing rate, we're out of a job. But let me remind you of something, church leader, you the listener. You didn't get into ministry. You're not doing what you're doing now because it's a job and because of the job security of it. At least I know that's not why you started. You accepted the invitation to this call because you want to experience in your local context a movement of Jesus. And you want to watch it spread by the power of the Spirit to wherever He may take it. And good news, spoiler alert, people that you effectively equip and send to live missionally in their local context, in their neighborhood, probably are not going to stop attending on the weekend. And they're probably not going to stop being generous with their tithe to your church. It's probably not going to happen. Now, and I'll get into this later, We, I also tell our growth track graduates who, who we effectively commission and send, you guys can stop attending. You guys can stop giving. You can put your generosity towards your local mission. We say that. But people probably aren't going to like stop showing up and, and they're probably not going to stop giving. So let's not lead in fear-based sort of ways. Let's not lead in such a way that our, you know, in quotes, our kids, so to speak, um, you know, we never want them to leave the nest. Let's actually lead in such a way that we equip them so well that they leave the nest and they go live on mission where God has already placed them, knowing they're probably going to come back for more equipping if you're truly in equipping kind of church. We talk about leading with open hands all the time. Why aren't we more open-handed with what God wants to do with our people? Why don't we hold them so loosely, assuming they are people who should leave and should be sent? Let's not lead in fear-based ways. Well, how do we become that kind of a church? 
the kind of church that leads in such a way where, where when people spend increasing amounts of time with us, engaged in our church, their dependency on us goes down, while their dependency on the Holy Spirit goes up. Their desire to be a part of our church might stay the same and maybe even increase, but their dependency will go down. How do we do that? Well, in some upcoming episodes, I'm going to talk about some of the things that we as a church started, some of the things we stopped, and some of the things that we continued. And then you can apply those filters to your church. So in review, as we close out episode two, how are you leading your church? And as you look at how you're leading your church, what is it leading your people to be dependent on? Think about that dependency inverse variation graph that I talked about. As people spend more time with your church, move from left to right across the graph, is more dependency on the Holy Spirit being promoted? Or is more dependency on you and your local church being promoted? Thank you for continuing to go on this journey with me, this redefining church journey where I'm asking the question, you know, can we take the best parts of our church models, the attractional, the communal, and the missional, and bring them together for movement? Like always, if this has been helpful to you, it would mean a lot to me if you would share this with other church leaders that are in your network and that you uh, know. Uh, until next time, this is Redefining Church.